fantasy football fans, this is Jeff Power, senior writer for Real Time Fantasy Sports, and welcome to another edition of the Real Time Fantasy Sports Podcast. On today's podcast, I'm going to be joined by Stephen Hawley. Stephen is a past fantasy championship winner on our side. He was the 2017 winner of the fantasy championship. He's also the fourth-ranked player on our site, and he's one of the best fantasy players out there. He's going to talk to us about this past week, and he's also going to help you get ready for week two of the fantasy season. Before we get to that interview with Stephen, though, I did want to mention that here at Real-Time Fantasy Sports, we do offer daily contests. You can go to rtsports.com, click on the daily link at the top of the page, and get in one of our daily leagues. We have all sorts of different price points, all different formats, all different games to play daily at RT Sports. Just go to rtsports.com, click on the daily link, and get in a daily league today. And now, here's my interview with Stephen Hawley, the fourth-ranked fantasy player on real-time fantasy sports. And I'm joined now by Stephen Hawley. He is the 2017 Fantasy Championship winner on our site, also the fourth-ranked fantasy player on rtsports.com, one of the top fantasy players out there. And We love to get talk to our experts not just our experts, we also love talking to the guys who are putting the money out there and playing in all these games and doing a great job, and that's Stephen Hawley. Stephen, thanks so much for joining me once again on the podcast. Hey, Jeff. It's uh, good to hear from you for the 2019 season, and uh, just really, really excited about this upcoming year. A lot of good stuff happening after week one. Yeah, so Stephen, I want to jump into week one. I want to get your thoughts on week one. Anything stand out to you from a fantasy perspective? Any surprises, disappointments to you uh, regarding uh, last week? Well, I think I think in general, just as a whole, week one was kind of a surprise in that a lot of middling to late round guys, really at every position, kind of stood out in week one and you know I'm talking about guys like a a quarterback you know your top two quarterbacks were guys that were taken kind of as uh, a high uh, high QB2 but wasn't really considered to be a starters and talking like Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson and then you look at running backs you can look at Austin Eckler you know with Melvin Gordon having his holdout issue Austin Eckler really performed you know I mean to a 40 point stance in, in week one and then in the wide receivers uh, your top two guys being, you know, former top round guys and Sammy Watkins and Deshaun Jackson, and then to roll out the rest of the top five or you know your waiver darlings for this week and John Ross and Marquise Brown, and even at tight end, you know, guys like T.J. Hawkinson and Mark Andrews, Delaney Walker, even you know these were late tier three in the tight end position, and like I said, just this. The whole, as a whole, just a lot of middling to late round guys that really showed out was was kind of a big surprise to me. So, Stephen, you mentioned a waiver wire, the waiver wire darlings of this week, and I wanted to get your thoughts on just the whole waiver wire process in general. Uh, you're one of the top fantasy owners out there. You're in a lot of high stake leagues as well, and there's an art to work in the fantasy waiver wire. I, I wanted to get your advice to fantasy owners out there that are listening. How do you approach it this early in the year, the waiver wire? Well, I kind of have a different stance on, I, I do a lot of, of the high stakes leagues, a lot of our fab, you know, the free agent acquisition budget that you use to acquire players. And then I also do a plenty of number of leagues that actually have priority waivers, which is kind of a worst to first setup. And I kind of have a different approach to both, styles of play um with the fab leagues with the budget leagues 
I generally kind of keep my budget intact. I don't really spend a lot early until that, you know, it seems like every year there's that major, that running back that gets hurt that has a major season-ending injury. And I generally try to go and scoop up, you know, the handcuff or the guy that might, you know, become the lead back that has a guaranteed role. You know, looking at this week in particular, and there really were there really wasn't a, a significant season-ending injury that had a guy on the waiver wire. But guys, people that are spending almost thirty to forty percent of their budget on a guy like Raheem Mostert, for example, who was out there. You know, this is a guy that's going to be in a timeshare with Breda. And Tevin Coleman is probably not going to be out no longer than a month, maybe three weeks with his high ankle sprain. So, you know, to spend that much money for a guy that you may not even be putting in your lineups, it, it just it, it's truly it's truly kind of absurd to me that you would that people would be willing to spend that kind of money for a guy like that. Now, on the flip side, on a on a worst to first waiver type league. I'm kind of I'm I'm far more active in those kind of leagues, and I'm trying and I try not to fall in love with guys. Like there are certainly guys that through the draft process, through the draft season, that I found myself, you know, really getting a lot of shares of these guys. And two guys that I can that I can name in particular are Kiki Cutie, wide receiver Kiki Cutie for the Texans, and wide receiver Dante Pettis. As this as the draft season went on the reports that you wanted to hear from these guys just simply didn't come in. And they're two guys. They're two of my most drafted guys that I no longer really have rostered at the moment because I don't want to fall in love with those guys. If there's a potential of, you know, guys like Terry McLaurin or, you know, even a guy like Giovanni Bernard this week, who looking at Joe Mixon being out this week, like I'd rather have had Gio, Giovanni Bernard in my on my team that I could potentially play, knowing that Kiki Cutie and Dante Pettis are likely not going to be um, in my starting lineup anytime soon. So I try in a worst to first, my turnover is 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 rather exceptional as compared to a, a Fab type system. So speaking of waiver wire, most people had their waivers run already, so we're not necessarily uh, asking you uh, who to take on waivers this week because that's likely passed, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on a group of receivers that had huge weeks in week one, and they're a little bit unknown for a lot of people, and I wanted to get uh, your opinion on who do you think is going to keep up, or maybe not keep up their great playing week one, but be a fantasy factor the rest of the way. Out of out of Marquise Brown, John Ross, DJ Sharp, Terry McLaren, you just mentioned him, and Danny Amendola. Those are kind of the big guys at the receiver spot that went off in week one. Who do you trust out of that group? I would say out of that group that I would probably trust simply because he doesn't have as many like cons or, you know, negative things really going for him and there's there's actually really a lot of a good positives is is the man the guy I mentioned, um Wide receiver for the Redskins, Terry McLaurin. Um, last week, playing 92% of snaps, I thought that was huge. He played the most snaps out of all the players that you mentioned before. And I think having the Darius Geis injury that just now happened with the torn meniscus, I think it's just going to have more opportunity for maybe the Redskins to have to have to throw in the game rather than Jay Gruden, you know, coming out saying that he really wanted to try to feature Darius Geis and. I don't know how much you could really feature them with the with the with the roster that they have. That you know they're probably going to be playing behind a lot. 
But I, I just I really like the outlook for Terry McLaurin. He's also a guy that even in the preseason was kind of you know kind of being hyped up that he could be you know the guy to lead this team in targets simply because of just the other lack of options that the Redskins have. So I really do like Terry McLaurin's outlook for uh, for the 2019 season. Another big storyline from last week was Lamar Jackson had a huge game, posted big numbers against a really bad Dolphins defense, but still. He did it through the air, not on the ground. I wanted to ask you what you thought of Jackson. Uh, what do you think of him going forward? Do you think he can really be a legit number one for fantasy teams? Well, I certainly think he could be a legit number one if he got to play the Miami Dolphins every week. However, <laughs> you know, Mr. Jackson, that's that's not going to be the case for him. But, you know, really watching that game, um, you know, it, his passes are really on point, regardless if the coverage was very – you know, can't even call it marginal, but, you know, obviously the big thing that that's always going to surround Lamar is that, you know, he's a running quarterback and just the, the history has shown that running quarterbacks, like, although they're fun and, you know, they, they, they're fun while they last is the, main, is the main thing. So, but if Lamar is able to, you know, play smart, get down when he needs to not take the unnecessary contact, if he can play a full, you know, 15, 16 game slate, which is kind of a, a strange thing to say about a quarterback because usually they can, but like I say, with his running, with his running ability and how he want, like how he can play, um, as long as he, if he is able to play 15, 16 games, I, 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 I for cert, certainly see him finishing as a QB one this season. So fantasy owners, they really tend to overreact to bad games the first week of the year. Uh, a lot of them fly off the handle when they see their top players not do so well or guys that they target as breakout candidates have a bad game but even with that said are there really any players uh, that you're truly concerned about after watching them in week one any guys that you know threw up some red flags with their performances in the opener yeah i mean the, before i really thought about it uh the first name that came to mind to me was sony michelle but i think with him playing miami this week I think there's a chance for him to really kind of have a, a good bounce back game. And I think as the season goes along, I think that he could, you know, he'll eventually be better suited in the backfield rather than Rex Burke and James White. But a couple guys that I am truly concerned with after week one that could go for the entirety of the season. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a duo of players. It's, it's the Minnesota receiving core of Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. And, you know, we kind of saw it in the second half of last season with how Thielen produced in his first eight games, you know, the 100-yard games. And then, you know, after the bye week, John Filippo got fired as offensive coordinator and Zimmer brought in a guy that truly wants to run the football and use his defense and control the clock and not really have to rely on Kirk Cousins as much. And we saw Adam Thielen the second half season finishing in, as wide receiver 27 for that second half of the year. And I think we saw it in week one when they played Atlanta that they truly, you know, Zimmer is truly sticking to his guns. And I think as long as Dalvin Cook can remain healthy and stay on the field, and even Alexander Madison looking as good as he did, um, you know, Kirk Cousins only threw the ball ten times last week, and they were able to win pretty handedly. Now, is that going to be the case every single week? You know, probably not. But I think that's the that's the inconsistency that you really don't want to have with, a late second round pick in Thielen and a middling third, late third in Diggs. So I, I'm truly worried about those two really producing at the level that they did last season. Um, 
for the for for how the outlook's going to look for this for this Minnesota Viking team. So, Stephen, let's move on to week two now. How about some games you're targeting uh, from a fantasy perspective? Some high-scoring games, a lot of fantasy points. Anybody, your uh, any games you're looking at to target for your lineups this week? Yeah, and um, they're they're the they're in the later slate of games. Um, the first one being at 425, um, which from a fantasy perspective is going to be great, but also you know with what happened in the NFC Championship game last year, and that's the Saints traveling to the Rams uh, in the four in the four o'clock slate. Um, Jared Goff. You know, didn't really have didn't really have that great a game against Carolina last week, which he generally just doesn't play well on the road. But at home, you know, he's he's pretty lights out. You know, it's going to be kind of a revenge game for the Saints. So I just think it's going to be a lot of a lot of intensity, a lot of high scoring points. You know, look for both teams to probably score in the 30s um, for themselves. And then the Sunday night football game, uh, the Eagles at the Falcons. I think it's another game that both secondaries kind of got shown. You know that they haven't really improved much. You know, Case Keenum really balling out against the Eagles last week. And then although Kirk Cousins didn't didn't have to throw against the Falcons, the Falcons secondary in general had just really wasn't improved in the offseason in any sort of way, um, other than Count O'Neill coming back from, from his injury. Um you know, I just think it's a game that the Falcons are really gonna try to not go you know, they can't really afford to go 0 and two in the season. So, you know, I think being at home, they're gonna they're gonna rely on the, the the soft secondary that the Eagles provide, and you know once again it's another game that I expect that both teams be scoring well into the 30s. You mentioned Sony Michelle is a guy you thought could bounce back this week, and I actually had him as a player I'm targeting as well. I wrote about him in one of my columns. I think he could have a big game in that matchup with the Dolphins. How about any other players you like for this week? You think are some must plays for fantasy teams? Yeah, I got a couple. Um, I think the first one is will be for me is uh Kyrion Johnson uh playing at home against the Los Angeles Chargers. Um seeing what Marlon Mack was able to do last week, putting up 175 yards and you know Kyrion was kind of that, you know, he was kind of that darling pick that a lot of people start he started to slide into that late second round slot as drafts moved about the season. I think it's a good bounce back opportunity for him with what Kyrion was able to do and I'm not quite sure that you know, as much as Matt Stafford pat, you know, threw the ball and looked good against Arizona, I think that was kind of the the game plan all along, thinking of the high tempo offense that that maybe they were going to have to put up some decent points. But I think this will kind of be a, a different style of game at home for for Detroit. So it'll be, a, I think it's a good bounce back opportunity for him. And then the other one is um, Tyrell Williams uh, playing at home against Kansas City. Um, just kind of seeing what. Jacksonville with their outside guys and Chris Conley and DJ Chark. I mean, these aren't everyday household names, and they just absolutely tore up the secondary. And that was with you know a backup rookie quarterback in Gardner Minshew. So uh, you know, I look for Tyrell Williams to potentially have a, a really big game, and you know, we'd even consider maybe slotting him ahead of you know the guys I mentioned before of, of Diggs and Thielen, just because of the just the likelihood that they're going to have to keep up with Kansas City's offense this week and being at home. So those are two guys that I really like playing this week in my lineups. So, Stephen, how about on the opposite end of things, guys you're avoiding this week? Any players you just don't want any part of in your lineups? Yeah, um, unfortunately, um, he's a guy that I, that, I, that I really liked. But after looking at what happened against Chicago, I think Aaron Jones is probably a guy that I'm, I'm you know, at uh, – 
a set like that as a last resort that I would want to get in. Just Minnesota's defense. I thought honestly that Minnesota's defense would take a little bit of a step back this year, but you know, as good as they looked against Atlanta this past week, and especially against Devontae Freeman, um, I think Aaron Jones is a guy that I'm I'm going to be trying to avoid. And also, it seems like Jamal Williams is still very much involved. Maybe not in getting carries and receptions, but even on third down and pass protection, which you know I think is going to be necessary against the Minnesota defense. And then um, another guy I would say is probably Josh Gordon uh, playing Miami. Um, even though, you know, even though they're playing Miami, you know, Xavion Howard is one of the few bright spots in Miami's offense that likely will be going up against him, um, even with the uncertainty if Antonio Brown will be playing Sunday. But I think the game script will just call for a lot of, lot of, lot of run opportunity. And it is in, in history's past, first-year head coaches, you know, that have been under Bill Belichick, you know, Bill Belichick kind of, you know, kind of takes it easy in a sense, and, you know, especially they're going to need it need it after the the 59-10 to 10 final that they had last week. But, yeah, so Josh Gordon I just don't see getting a lot of work um, that might be, you know, people might have as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three. I, I, I'll try to look elsewhere before I have to put Josh Gordon in there. So early in the season, we don't have bye weeks, and there aren't a ton of injuries right now. But even with that said, uh, still sometimes you got to look for those sleeper plays, those you know guys that maybe aren't on everybody's radar. Anybody like that out you for out there for you for uh, week two, Stephen? Um, yeah, I mean you're right. I, I, the only sleeper picks that I could really come up with or think of that are really truly you know sleepers are. Forgot are two guys that do have the you know the main the main players ahead of them out likely out this week and that's Giovanni Bernard and Miko Hardman. Um, you know we've seen we've seen Mixon have these kind of you know bang up injuries in, in the past couple seasons and when that's happened you know Gio has kind of came in and sort of been the bell cow running back of that offense seeing generally from 80 to 85% of snaps during that game. And I think that's something that's probably going to happen this week, especially if Mixon is unlikely, is looking unlikely to go that Gio could be, he could see a lot of work this week, only having Travion Williams really behind him in, in the offense. And then I like Nicole Hardman, um, Oakland secondary, you know, Gary and Conley, although he's expected back, you know, he's, you know, probably not going to be at 100% after being, you know, taken off for in the Monday Night Football game. And then um, Jonathan Abrams being put on IR. You know, the secondary is already kind of banged up for Oakland. And with the performance that Sammy Watkins had, and, you know, obviously Travis Kelsey is always going to be a problem. You know, it could open up things for, you know, Mikael Harmon, who seemed to be on the field a lot more, even though it was not targeted last week. Um, you know, he was a guy that, really performed well in the preseason and, you know, if given the opportunity, which he will this week against Oakland, um, you know, he's a guy that could really, could really show out and he could have that big play, like, you know, big play John Ross potential. And uh, anytime he touches the ball that, you know, he could take it to the house. So those are two guys that, that are potential sleeper flex plays for me this week. That's Stephen Hawley, 2017 Fantasy Championship winner on our side, also the fourth-ranked fantasy player on real-time fantasy sports, one of the best out there. Stephen, I always enjoy having you on the podcast. We will definitely have to do this again sometime soon. I, I absolutely look forward to it, and and I'm always available uh, anytime you want to 
talk up to the 2019 season because it's going to go by fast. All right. Thanks, Stephen. Appreciate it. And that was my interview with Stephen Hawley. I want to thank Stephen for doing a great job on the podcast. And I want to thank you for listening to another edition of the Real-Time Fantasy Sports Podcast. And good luck in all of your Week 2 fantasy games. This has been Jeff Power for Real-Time Fantasy Sports. Have a great day, everyone. 